2: As a listener to this podcast, how would you like a free case of craft beer? Head over to www.beer52.com forward slash HuffPost to pick up yours.
1: On Commons People this week, Theresa May vows to quit to save Brexit.
2: And none of this has been about who is the Prime Minister or who is the leader of the Conservative Party.
1: But her deal is still in serious trouble. And so to be consistent, I've always been against it. I'm still against it. I told my whip the other day I wouldn't vote for it if they put a shotgun in my mouth. And MPs can't even decide on an alternative plan. The House has today considered a wide variety of options as a way forward. And it demonstrates that there are no easy options here. There is no simple way forward. Hello and welcome to Commons People. I'm Arj Singh and joining me during another wild week in Westminster is Paul Wall. Hi Arj. Hi Paul, how are you doing? Fine. Also, uh, good, good. I'm quite tired to be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, also with us is Tory former Cabinet Minister Nikki Morgan. Hello. Hi Nikki. And also with us is Maddie Timont Jack, who's a Brexit expert at the Institute for Government. Hello. Hi Maddie, how's it going?
0: Good. Also, quite tired.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we're hanging in there, we're hanging in there. So, uh, Nicky, we're in your office. You, you are. Uh, yes, welcome. Yeah. Um, let's crack on. <laughs> <laughs>
3: nice map of Loughborough behind you. Yeah, I
1: couldn't see anything on the walls to comment on. There we go. Yeah, look at
2: that. I struggle, though, to get any pictures of women from the Parliamentary Art Collection. Oh. Uh, so, um, you know, we, um, we may need to do better on, on that, that future collection.
1: Yeah, there aren't many women in the Parliamentary Art Collection. No, I don't. I think a story on this years ago,
2: actually. <laughs> yeah. Anyway...
1: Uh, Already going on a tangent. So another incredible night in Parliament last night. Um, Theresa May finally bowed to pressure to quit as Prime Minister once Brexit is through uh, in an effort to get Tories to back her Brexit deal. Um, Let's hear DUP leader Arlene Foster blowing up that plan within hours.
3: Well of course we wanted to try and get a deal and when this all began, as you remember, uh, with the Brady amendment, we were looking to deal with the backstop, we wanted the withdrawal agreement reopened to deal with that backstop. Uh, Then there was a conversation around treaty level changes to try and deal with the issues as well. Uh, But we feel, very fundamentally, that the backstop in that withdrawal agreement makes it impossible for us to sign up to the withdrawal agreement. And you know what, I regret that, because we wanted to get a deal a deal that worked for the whole of the United Kingdom.
1: Um, Paul, you were outside the 1922 committee meeting where Theresa May made her announcement last night. Um, what do you
3: make of her move? Well I was outside the room, Nikki, you were inside it, I think. No, oh, I was
2: in, I was in right. the chamber, because ah. uh, typically I was chosen to be spoken or to call to speak at five o'clock. So it was quite frustrating oh, having to really sit annoying. there, knowing all the drama yeah. was going on upstairs. So you were a few people who weren't in that room.
3: Mm. Well, I was outside it, and actually we felt as though we were inside it because as soon as... Um, you know the events were happening we were being texted from within it just as we normally are with the parliamentary load party but also straight after the meeting all the MPs came out and sort of unloaded what had happened on us Um, I mean and it was quite interesting that there was a lot of sympathy you know everyone realized this was a big big historic moment it's easy to forget in this mad mad week just how historic that Mm -hmm. moment was last night a prime minister saying she's going, setting out a timetable for leaving, um, and not exactly um, being happy about it, obviously very, very sad about it, but feeling she had no choice. What I thought was crucial was the way that she managed quickly to flip a few people in the room, like you had people like Robert Courts. you had people like James Gray, but the first one was Richard Bacon who's a die-hard Brexiteer who's voted twice against the deal and then said he would vote for it. So it looked like the strategy was working, but then within minutes, you've got Steve Baker going to the ERG meeting, down the corridor just a few doors down, and do this extraordinary, you know, Spartan speech. Um... Uh, But worse than all of that for the Prime Minister, I thought, was it must have been that moment when she got a phone call from Arlene Foster, before Arlene Foster just went on Sky News Live and said, I'm sorry, it's not good enough. Um, And that was the key moment of the evening, in my opinion. Um, And it will remain the key moment, won't it, until the DUP do change their minds.
1: Um, Nikki, do you think it's strange that the Prime Minister announced a, a timeline when she didn't know she'd have the numbers to get the deal through?
2: I think in a way she was probably left with uh, no choice in the sense of, um, you know, it was a big party meeting and the people that she did, as Paul says, you know, Conservative Peace, she does need to change their minds. She was going to have to say something to them. But yes, it seems strange that it was quite as firm as it was given that she apparently, well, didn't know what the DUP was going to say. Now, had there been inklings, who knows what conversations there had been going on, um, whether, you know, events had been sort of set in in train so that she couldn't then uh, perhaps be a bit more vague in what she was saying to the 22, although she had a sense that might not be enough for the DUP. And I think the other thing is, the DUP, they're not Conservative MPs. Now, for them, in a way, their arrangement is with the Conservative Party, who the leader is of that party is sort of irrelevant, um, and, and I think perhaps become less so. They feel their relationship is with, with the, the party, um, and so I'm not surprised that changing the leader of the Conservative Party is less relevant to them and their votes, but obviously it does have huge relevance to Conservative MPs. Um, so, you know, and we obviously wait to see then whether, I mean, I think discussions are continuing with the DUP, what on earth are they going to yield?
3: it's interesting though you say that nikki because actually if there is a leadership well now that we know if when there is a leadership contest the dup won't explicitly say look we back x or y yeah. of course they won't they won't want to be seen to interfere but we're bound to get sort of mood music from them about saying actually well these are our demands and can, who's going to meet those demands mm. and i think that will shape the nature of the
2: race won't it um, because if yeah. if there isn't a general election, you still need them. Absolutely, no, they're still very much needed. Um, yes, I, I, it could well it, it could well have an influence. Um, I think the bigger impact is going to be, um, actually, do we have some candidates who have got a vision? for what they want to do for the party, the country, um, all the uh, domestic politics that has completely stalled and everything else. Um, undoubtedly, the conversations with uh, you know, leading uh, DUP members in Westminster and in uh, Northern Ireland, um, yeah, influential up to a point, but not the critical factor.
3: And that sounded to me like you might even think about it yourself.
2: (laughs) Well, no, it's very nice of people thinking of me. I've got (laughs) to say, I have no desire and no intention of standing. But uh, I mean, look, I think you know. um, I mean, generally, I'm interested in in, uh, leadership per se. Obviously, being Education Secretary, spend a lot of time thinking about leadership shown by her teachers and, Mm. and, and and others. Um, I think we are in desperate need in this country of really talented national leadership from both main parties. But, you know, I'm not going to worry about the Party. They can have to take care of themselves. But we so need somebody who is going to, um, you know, heal some divisions, try to take things forward. There are so many areas of domestic policy that now just are not getting the attention. I was talking to a minister this morning who was just saying, he said, nothing is happening in government at the moment. Um, And that's frustrating for ministers. It's deeply frustrating for civil servants, I'm sure. And I think the country, I mean, they're sick to death of all of us anyway, and they know that their particular interest areas are not being dealt with. Yeah.
1: Um, Let's talk in more detail about leadership later, but Maddy, um, can Theresa May get this deal through if the DUP doesn't back it?
0: Oh, I mean, that's the question that everyone's asking. Um, Well, I think at the moment the numbers are just... It's very difficult to see how the numbers stack up. Um, And, I mean, again, Nikki might have a better idea of what her colleagues in her party are thinking, but, you know, she's sort of... The last time we had a vote, 75 Conservative MPs opposed it um she's got you know there does seem to be this hardcore group of ERG who refusing to back it I think there's some talk about whether you can whittle that down to 16 conservative MPs who oppose it but in that situation if the DUP are also opposing it then you are going to need Labour MPs to get that through because the conservatives with the DUP have a majority of eight so you know they they will need to have Labour votes and I mean There's been some discussion about whether any more Labour MPs will back it, but I think the challenge for Labour MPs is they're not going to back or or vote in favour of the government's deal in a position where they don't know that it will definitely get over the line. And also, you know, we will need to bring forward this domestic legislation to implement it, the withdrawal agreement bill. There are likely to be a number of votes on that. So there is a big question of will the Labour MPs who might vote for the deal once, will they be willing to walk through the lobbies with the government time and time again mm. as that bill gets through? And I think that's what they'll all be thinking about at the moment. So, I mean, really, I just think it's too close to call. And
3: especially given that Labour MPs now know if they if they vote for this deal, they get another Tory leader mm. who may well be somebody that is yeah. even more Brexitee than the current Tory leader. Um Definitely. I mean, you know, that's a big problem for a lot of Labour MPs. But
2: I think Manny's point is really interesting because that was the calculation that Theresa May had to make after the first meaningful vote went down. Was she going to uh, still carry on thinking the coalition would get her through and would enable her to carry on governing afterwards? And that was a big factor, I think, in cabinet ministers' minds. Had to be Conservative MPs plus the DUP, most Conservative uh, MPs, or did she pivot to a more um, uh, a Brexit that could appeal across the house? But knowing that actually relying on Labour MPs to keep walking through the voting lobby... I mean, it's going to be hard enough for a Labour MP to do it once. Mm. Um, and you're right, they'll, they'll use their political capital at the moment when they can say to their local party, particularly if they're in a leave voting area, I did this because the constituency voted for Brexit, but, you know, that's thats as far as I'm going. Um, uh, or would they keep on get going? And I think that was the, the the factor. The other group of people, so we haven't... They're much smaller, are the pro-Remain um, sort of remain Conservative MPs, uh, mm. Who have also voted now twice against the yeah. agreement, and I think there's a lot of uh, conversation going on with them now. I'm not sure that any or necessarily can be brought back, um, but again, you know, as Conservative MPs, if people like the Richard Bacon's of this world are prepared to to back it, um, it's certainly worth you know checking mm. and, and discussing with them uh, the pro-Remain people like um, Justin Greening or yeah. Sandeema or, or Gitterbed whether in fact they would now at this last moment back the agreement. Mm.
1: And just last one on this, you, you mentioned the prospect of a hard Brexiteer taking the Tory leadership. Nikki, what did you make of Boris Johnson flipping on the deal straight away as soon as he got a sniff of a leadership contest?
2: <laughs> Was I surprised? No. Um, look, I mean, I think that uh, the honest truth, I, th- I think, is that um, at this hour of most national need, any MP, any Conservative MP who doesn't vote for the Prime Minister's draft agreement... I think we'll find they will find it very difficult to get traction in the Conservative Party for their leadership bid. Looking at what Conservative MPs are now saying amongst themselves, looking at people like, uh, I don't want to keep going on back a Baker, but Michael Fabricant, uh, James Gray, other people who have been very clear they don't like the agreement, if they can vote for it, they will be saying, well, hang on, when we were asked by our, the Prime Minister, and she is still the Prime Minister, she's still a party leader, we were asked to, to, to support. If you, uh, ex-leadership candidate, could not do it, then, you know, sort of, where are your priorities for, for, for the country? Um, so, and I, I think at the moment, there's only one, I mean, you know, so far, I should think there's only one leadership candidate who sort of is out there, who uh, has, is holding out, and that is Dominic Raab, yeah. who we do not know, uh, obviously, what his position is.
3: And he did a doorstep this morning, again, suggesting that somehow the PM should go back to Brussels. It wasn't like, I'm going to back your deal. It's, mm-hmm. There are lots more conditions. I think Nicky's absolutely right. Everyone forgets what the next Tory leader... It's selected from MPs first and then goes to the country. That message, be it Dominic Raab or someone else, that I'm dead against, no surrender on this deal, would do really well with the members, but amongst MPs, it, as Nikki says, it might be seen as an abdication of leadership, real leadership.
1: Britain might be leaving Europe, but it doesn't mean our taste buds need to. This month, Beer52 and Ferment have teamed up for the Citizens of Everywhere project, to bring you 12 craft beer collaborations from breweries across the EU. There's something for everyone's taste. so head to www.beer52.com forward slash HuffPost for your free case of craft beers. And now we're trying to find a way through how we deliver Brexit. Last night we had uh, debates and votes on eight alternatives to Theresa May's Brexit deal. Um, but not a single one found a majority. Um, it's fair to say Oliver Letwin, who's the architect of the process, didn't exactly get the best of receptions in the, <laughs> the Commons after the vote. Let's have a listen. The
3: majority view. No, no, I think no, that no. would be in a the interests of, of our constituents. Yeah, uh, of, of time. Ridiculous waste of time. <laughs> uh, crazy.
0: But I.
1: Maddy, was this, as Tory James Gray said, a ridiculous waste of
3: time?
0: So I don't actually think it was. I mean, I think firstly, what I found from a sort of parliamentary geekery perspective, it was quite interesting to see uh, the Commons like trying out a new way or trying to find a way through something that does not have a a sort of simple yes or no answer. And I thought it it was sort of quite interesting because it meant the way they did it was that MPs went and they voted on a piece of paper on the eight options all at the same time and they could vote for more than one option. It meant you didn't have quite the same thing of knowing how others were voting. I mean, you might have had conversations, but you don't know quite in the same way and you also don't have to say well if this one's ruled out then i'll vote for this one it was sort of a simple way of judging the, lo- the lay of the land and i mean yes there wasn't a majority in favor of any of them i do think there were a couple of options that if you start ruling out some of the ones that already got rejected might have legs going forward so i do i think the sort of big question in from my perspective is how we're going to organize it when we have come back on Monday. Uh, you know. That sort of plan is to have a sort of another round, um, and and actually to see whether at that stage MPs will be more willing to compromise, which so far they haven't been. But no, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dismiss it entirely.
1: I mean, how should we organise it on, on Monday?
0: Yeah, so there are a couple of different ways we could do it. Um, and I think these are both ways that you could try and get to a point where you start again eliminating options. So the one the first way to do it is you could do more of an A V style. So where MPs whichever options end up being sort of on the ballot paper, you rank options in order of say one to five if five options are, are sort of selected. Um, and then you sort of you basically transfer votes, you wipe out the sort of low the one with the least sort of first votes and then you sort of move through and you reallocate votes according to it and just sort of end up with hopefully one one option standing, although there is a bit of a risk there that it ends up being a bit of a lowest common denominator and it ends up being everyone's third mm. choice rather than anyone's mm. first. Um, the other way that's quite interesting is to try and vote, you sort of vote on all five as if you're very, you have to pick one out of the five and then whichever one has the least votes you sort of rule out and then you vote on all four again. And then one of the least mm, votes you rule out, that, yeah. and so it's a way to try and get to a point where actually you're sort of you hopefully get to a position where you almost you're voting on all options against each other, and then you sort of end up with the last one standing. Um, I think that was a proposal from uh, NISA. The, NISA, yeah, wasn't it? NISA's yeah. proposal. That was using sort of game theory as a way to yeah. try and get to a point where you can get something that MP support. So so those are the two st- I think two that's options. quite...
3: Another, a Labour MP, to me, mm. said exactly the same thing this morning. They quite like that, where the least popular is knocked out. It's a bit like the Tory leadership contest. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. You know, yeah. if it's good enough yeah. for the Tory leader, I mean, we've just been talking about that. Surely it's good enough for Brexit? I don't know. Yeah. But the, they, what I thought was really interesting, it will be on Monday whether or not any of this, the runoffs procedure, mm. is set down, because surely it has to be. The House has to approve this. It can't just mm. Oliver Letwin can't decree. Look, I've got a, 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 an AV voting system, and we're going to do mm. it. MPs are going to have to vote for it, and there may be no majority for that. And then what the hell do we do? That's why I think, um, in many ways, I'm really surprised that Letwin is a very smart chap, as as, as Nicky knows. It's like he hasn't quite thought through. He always knew there wouldn't be a majority on the first round. Mm. He always knew there'd be a second day, but he hasn't had the discussion about how you get there. Um, And now, obviously, to his credit, you might say, or in his defence, you might say there's been not a lot of time. But I talked to one of those grandees who said, look, we really need to, maybe we don't need a vote at all on the second time. We just need people to sit down in a room and agree what do we actually think there is, a, is most likely everyone will, will, agree, will coalesce
2: around. Now that sounds far-fetched, doesn't it? But maybe, because it ultimately is about politics, well, our voting it, system. If you remember, back in January, um, when I was working with Nick and Oliver, we came up with this idea of a bill, and there was going to be a committee oh, of yeah. MPs. Exactly. We were going to use committee, the committee, the chair's tech committees, yeah. to yeah. do exactly That's that. True. And, um, you know, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, one of the comments made yesterday's debate was if we'd been doing some of this two years ago, yeah. we might be in a much happier position as a country, as a parliament and, and, and everything else. Um, and uh, talking to overseas parliaments, they are staggered that we have got to obviously this late stage, but they are staggered. We still votes, you know, haven't had that cross-party consensus uh, I thought Mary's comment was interesting about when you said um, you might end up at the sort of thought that everybody's third option but but that's where in a way yeah, you're I mean, going to yeah, end up in a negotiation yeah. I mean the whole point is you're you know we were never going to end up with somebody getting their preferred option for, for, for Brexit and that has been one of the classic mistakes made over the last couple of years was not um, admitting um that sorry that's the the bombs yeah it's, it's okay. um, it really is an office <laughs> <laughs> um, but but people not being clear about the fact it's a negotiation it involves compromise nobody's going to get what they want and some people are led to believe all throughout the country they could get the exact Brexit they wanted mm. and nobody else's would be good enough um, and that's why I think people feel so let down
3: yeah and it is a bit like the Oscars the system don't forget that's why you know, the Oscars has this potential. Uh, well the Oscars <laughs> as well but that, the criticism of the Oscars is the reason they've had a, a series of bland winners recently is because it's everyone's second or third preference. Mm. I would just um, but, add... But, you know, that's the Oscars not Brexit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, the other thing I would just say on these options, I mean, it's really worth noting that these options are not all sort of equal. Mm. So, for example, one of the options that did very well um, last night was the one saying you'd have a referendum on a deal. What is that deal? Yeah. That's exactly right. And I right, think, yeah. so it's a bit of an issue if yeah. that ends up being the last one standing, because yeah. actually we still have no idea what deal is going to get a majority. It doesn't say the Prime Minister's deal, it just says a deal.
2: Well... I thought the Carl Wilson thing originally was going to be yeah. this withdrawal agreement subject to a confirmatory referendum. And so I was quite surprised when I saw the drafting of that and it said any withdrawal agreement. And that's exactly, that's one of the reasons I didn't support it. I'm not yeah. I'm not keen on a second referendum anyway. Um, but, you know, on the, the basis that we all might have to climb out of our, you know, as I said yesterday, our silos in our trenches. And um, then i got a lot of constituents emailing me saying, you know, actually a second vote and all the rest of it. I'm worried about what else is on the ballot paper, you know, remain or no deal or whatever it is. But I was quite surprised, and yeah. I think if I were thinking about what happened on Monday, if I were Peter Kyle um, or um, uh, you know the sort of the other Margaret Beckett or whatever, I would be thinking maybe I should just amend that wording and say this withdrawal agreement subject to a confirmatory
3: referendum. But the reason, Nikki, that that wording was changed was because the Labour front bench wouldn't do not in any wouldn't. way want to be seen to endorse. The deal, rather than a deal. And I think you're right. I mean, and that's the problem, because it's not going to get over the line without that Labour support. I've heard something else today, which is that on, and we might write a story about this later, so I'm blowing out exclusive, that on Monday, there will be a proposal which combines Clark and Beckett. So it's a a referendum on Clark or Remain. So it's making a massive assumption that the customs union is basically the deal Mm. uh, or you remain. Now, a lot of people would go bananas and say that's just that's just not Brexit, you know. Um, But who knows? I mean, that might be where we end up.
1: But is it the only deal that can pass? So Theresa May's withdrawal agreement plus a political declaration that has a customs union in it. Subject to a referendum, that to me—I
0: mean, what's interesting is the political have. declaration doesn't actually rule out a customs union anyway. Mm,
2: good point. So well, which is why my hard pretty... Brexiters don't like it. Well, exactly, it's, it is very yeah. broad,
0: and so it's quite interesting if that's the sort of thing that will end up getting everyone over the line. When actually, you almost go, "Well, maybe we could have voted for this two um, months ago." Um, I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. know if I want to think about that actually. But but you know, I mean, it, it is quite interesting because there's nothing else really in that. In uh, Clark's motion to say if there's anything else that they want from it. And the political declaration is very broad. Mm.
1: I suppose Labour want to bind the hands yeah. don't they, of future governments. that's Yeah, the
3: thing. but also, the, the only problem, in my opinion, with the customs union model, Ken Clark's, the big loser is going to be Liam Fox. But surely yeah. Theresa May can kind of handle that. She can handle it. All right, it's, it is a big loss. From the manifesto, to say we're not going to really have an independent trade policy, but you get yeah. everything else. Well,
2: so, so, if you go back to the Lancaster House speech yeah. um, and you look at the wording there, she was um, she was very uh, clear then about the leaving the single market, vague, yeah. but she was quite vague. And I seem to remember at the time there was a discussion about well, we haven't actually got the position on what we're going to do about customs. And then you know the manifesto again, uh, I think talks it does talk about leaving the customs union, but does talk about there being a you know a sort of a, a customs relationship. Yeah, but exactly. I can't quite remember the exact wording right. now. So I think for Theresa May, it's all been about um, freedom of movement being the issue so it can't be part of the single market in the EA so in a way perhaps last night and um, if she had a chance to reflect on the, the day and the votes um, you know in terms of acceptability the customs union might be just a little more acceptable but there's a debate going on amongst Conservative MPs about you know again what do people vote for in 2016 was it about sovereignty uh, was it about immigration was it about lots of, of other things so therefore how acceptable is Customs Union. I was quite surprised that um, George Eustace's EAFTA EA didn't get more support. Um, but I'm afraid to say there were also, even at this late stage, some very basic questions about the difference between customs union and single market being asked uh, by some people. Um, so there's also so if you're gonna have a referendum on a customs union, there's a heck of a, a larger debate to be had in the country. Also got to get legislation through to approve a referendum, and can you? I just cannot see No Deal not getting onto that ballot paper somehow. Really,
3: that's just, really. Yeah. Well,
2: I, I just think that I mean, you know, public I do demand th- for public that. Public demand yeah. for you know, you can't have us voting between one, you know, Remain hmm. or um, customs union, which for some people, and I'm very told very vociferously in my inbox, is absolutely not Brexit. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I do think that there will be a huge campaign uh, to put you know an effective no deal stroke, hard Brexit, or so maybe the come paper. back to Justine Greening's
3: idea, which was poo pooed at the time, but a mm. three question referendum, a three option referendum, I should say.
2: Oh God! I mean, I know it sounds <laughs> mad, but maybe that's the way through.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I mean it's change. been talked about by quite a few people I think but I think the big question is do you do sort of deal versus no deal and then leave remain. Yeah, and or, then you do stages. Or, or do yeah, it's like which once. way round you exactly. do it or whether yeah. you do all in one and it's quite it's sort of slightly Yeah. Like,
1: Joe Johnson's idea was to have leave you remain and then if Leave one it would then be deal do, versus no deal.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, which is one way to do it. Or, or as you say, do an A V yeah. style. I mean, the other thing, of
2: course, that some people talk about, you know, sort of, I think, Stella Creasy her, about the whole citizen's jury thing. Yeah. So do you end up, rather than having a, you know, a, a confirmation referendum per se, or well, you might end, I suppose, could end up, you end up having a citizen's jury type, um, uh, or citizen's assembly, you know, you'd you know more about this, it's sort of a, where people around the country are selected yeah. at random from ballots to come and to hammer all this this, this yeah. out. And it has been used, I think, in other countries for other, you know, difficult issues like this. Yeah. Um, that's a, no potential other way. The trouble is, none of this resolves... The issue speedily. None of this would stop us having to participate in the dreaded European parliamentary elections. And you know, today we've got two um, business groups. You know, I think Adam Marshall, the British Chambers giving a speech today. You know, businesses are being crushed by the uncertainty um, out there. And those are people's employers. They're paying people's wages. Um, you know, they're giving um, uh, you know college leavers and graduates their first employment opportunities. Um, these people are saying, "You've got to resolve this."
1: Yeah, um, Nikki, I just wanted to ask about your Brexit journey. <laughs> um, so you backed the Letwin amendment on Monday, which yeah. paved the way for these indicative votes. A couple of months ago, you were part of the Malthouse compromise, which and I still, still am. You know, I I tabled more. the
2: Malthouse amendment, sort of Plan yeah. A yesterday. Yeah,
1: mm. and but you're also saying well, I might be willing to compromise on a customs union or confirmatory referendum. Why are you backing seemingly everything?
2: Well, no, I, I mean, I'm, so I'm not in favour of No Deal, um, and I am not. I'm certainly not in favour of revocation. Um, and I'm not really in favour of a confirmatory referendum, um, but, uh, you know, as I say, I think at this stage, um, it's quite depressing to hear that the Labour Party is still opposed to a withdrawal agreement, because actually they're not opposed to a withdrawal agreement. Um, a, they want maximum chaos, and B, they don't um, they don't want a blind Brexit, which I can, yeah. I can understand. Um, I think I'm in favour of anything that is a negotiated settlement that will lead us to an orderly Brexit. Um, frankly, and I'm a bit like Oliver said in the chamber a few weeks ago, he said, I don't really care what the deal is now. I and mean, I will vote for the withdrawal agreement if there's another meaningful vote. I will vote, you know, for uh, I voted for EA, I voted for customs union, um, I voted for Common Market 2.0. You know, I just think having an agreement, I think if we can't reach an agreement with the EU on phase one, it does not bode very well for the future relationship discussions. Um, and so I do think that it's important that we do have you know, an, an agreement. And But I spoke about compromise yesterday and i think that that is an art that has been it's been forgotten i think in parliament and the conservative party has always been famed for its pragmatism and some of my colleagues appear have forgotten that too
1: yeah i mean the the events of this week have led to many questions about where we go next um one certainty is there'll be a tory leadership contest soon ish um we may also be heading for a general election um let's hear what tory deputy chairman james cleverly thinks about that unfortunately i do think it's uh, it is more likely. I don't, again, I don't think it would solve anything. What we, what we know, to be the truth, is that the country is still very split over Brexit. We know both political parties are split over Brexit. We know the polls say that, that the Labour uh, and Conservative parties are pretty much neck and neck in the polls. And just as
3: we've been and asking entire, for her, what would... The Can we have an
1: election now? And how would it work if Theresa May is set a date to stand down? That's are we going to have an
3: election? The big problem is... The Prime Minister's already said, and Number 10 were kind of hinting this timetable last night, she'll be gone by May 22nd, if her deal is approved. Um, Now, if her deal isn't approved, um, there's a big question about, does her commitment to go still stand. I'm not clear about that. I mean, surely the party won't wear it. I mean, you can't suddenly pull this thing, I don't think. She did try and make it conditional last night, but it's not really conditional if you're being forced into it. So I suspect whatever happens, the PM's going to leave at some point this year. But um, if she's going to leave, she's also said another commitment, I will never lead this into another general election. And you know, a lot of Tory MPs think that would be utter disaster and Corbyn could win. So... How does that work? How, if there is a general election, who's going to be leader and how, how much time have you got to select them? Would there be a coronation? Would there have to be a very super quick contest in the country? I mean, people have suggested before Christmas it could take two weeks, a really fast-track leadership mm-hmm. contest, which might happen. Um, so I, I don't know. I think the big problem for the general election is going to be just whether or not you get enough uh, Conservative MPs who think, actually, are we going to win it? That's ultimately the only question that... Dictates this, and if you've got some conservative MPs in marginal seats who are saying, Actually, that's just too big a risk for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nikki, you're in Loughborough, famously a former Labour seat. Mm -hmm. I remember the days when that was a Labour seat, yeah. yeah. Um, and one of your USPs in in government and out of government has been, Look, we need to remember these people, these Mm -hmm. you know, we can't be a a party just for Tory voters, we've got to appeal to switchers, and that's in my opinion, that's where the next Tory leader's got to come from. That area. Um, and if you're going to do that how is a general election going to help you in the short term I'm not sure I mean
2: well, don't forget, of course, it's not as easy these days just to have a general election. You know, the prime minister can't just to say, um, "That's it, I'm off to the country." You know, I'm off to the palace. Um, l- let's go. Um, as we saw in 2017, there has to be under the fixed term parliament that there has to be a vote. Now, I think there's a it's, it's unattractive look for MPs not to vote for an election because you should you yeah. be frightened of democracy and speaking to your voters as a as a member of parliament. I think it will be a tougher decision for people in now if it were to happen in 2017, right. where people dutifully troop through the lobby because they believe the 20-point. Lead in the yeah. polls and, and, and everything else. Um, but over not of course, the other thing is that, um, I mean, obviously, an election can be inflicted on, in a way, because you have a vote of no confidence. We know that some um, uh, Conservative MPs have scandalously said they might not support the government in a vote of no confidence. But there is then a 14-day period to see whether another government can command the confidence of the, the House. You know, we live in highly unprecedented times, and I wouldn't discount the possibility of a collection of people, um, you know, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to see Jeremy Corbyn anywhere near the levers of power, um, but it could be others who, who actually do stitch together. And we've seen the tectonic plates shifting with the independent group. You know, um, there might be something else uh, that, that, that happens. I mean, I don't think we can rule anything out. I think that's
3: a really interesting idea, because you could have, under the Fixed-Term Parliaments Act, I know it sounds bon- bonkers, but you could possibly have, hear this out, you could have some Tory MPs who trigger that vote of no confidence and then instantly trigger a leadership contest, a fast-track one Mm -hmm. in a few days, get a new leader, and then that new leader goes to the Queen and says, I now have the DUP on side, I have a stable majority, can you make me Prime Minister?
0: That's not beyond the
3: wit of man, is it?
0: No, no,
2: absolutely. I mean, it is all about winning a vote of confidence. Um, No, I agree,
0: that definitely is is an option. Um, And, I mean, the the other thing that, I mean, there is a sort of question about a government of national unity, is this something that um, ends up having to come through and, and sort of manage all this... This this sort of mess that we're in at the moment, um, which is also I mean I mean I think probably unlikely, but again it feels like as Nikki's just said we are in unprecedented times anyway, and it's quite interesting to see who might be able to come together and actually support a majority because what you need to do at the end of the, that fourteen day period is survive a, a vote of confidence yeah. in the house. And is it actually a sort of a group of cross-party MPs yeah. who are able to do that? Mm. I well, particularly
2: if you end up with a
0: cross-party solution, mm. cross-the-house cross exactly. solution to Brexit. Let's yeah. just,
2: you know, indulge in, in uh, something here, um, which, again, is so unprecedented. I was going to say in fantasy, but it might not be fantasy. Um, you know, that actually the House does come up with, with something uh, next week or next, you no know, next days or so. Um, and uh, then the government from Reason says this is not yeah. our policy. Yeah. Um, yeah. We don't want to uh, implement it. Um, um, and so um, you might then say, well, actually, so who is going to implement this? Because the other thing is that there's no appetite in the country, as far as I can detect, for a general election. Um, I am not. I'm getting many, many emails about this current situation. I am not getting any. Although perhaps listening to this, I will now start to get deluged with them. <laughs> they say, yes, we want to have a general election. <laughs> these That's
1: conversations have, have these conversations started about, you know, if if a compromise gets through, how, who actually? No,
2: I mean, I think this is in the the realms of kind of, um, you know, tea room stroke, um, you know, smoking room type, uh, you know, um, speculation. Mm. Um, But look, I mean, you know, the House of Commons and the MPs love a good process conversation. We love a lot of speculation. One of the frustrating things at the moment is, you know, um, discussions are a kind of, you know, where could things go? Uh, And we are, you know, indulging in things that in normal times, you know, we just wouldn't be we, we wouldn't be focused on. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. That could be a way out. Right. Well, let's let's move on. Uh, we've just about got time for a quiz. Uh, oh, great! And this week it's all about Tory leadership
3: contests.
2: Oh, oh we
1: love
3: those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There've
2: been a few of them.
0: So we're not so,
3: good at them. Let's be fair, though. Labour are terrible.
0: I feel, yeah. like, I feel like I should have been reading our Institute for Government explainer on this before coming yeah. over maybe I, would I, have been I better may on have it. been reading that I before. wish I had <laughs> read it okay. See how I hope you're fired I know <laughs> um,
1: there's no real structure to this just to say Good. the answer yes. um, so first question in the 1997 Tory leadership ele- election who won the first two rounds of voting among the MPs
3: up in Redwood can Redwood, there was—I don't know. There was Ken Clark and Redwood had this bizarre pact, where you never would have thought of them ever being on the ticket, and they were both oh, on the same yes. ticket. I think it might have been Clark. Correct. Clark. <laughs> yes.
1: Wow. So Ken Clark was, was and then of course of William Hay came through in yeah. the first, second round, yeah. um, but picked by William yeah. Hay in the third round. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Second question. Uh, David Cameron of course won the 2005 leadership election but what was his vote share in the members ballot ooh big that's, that's I how think it, I'm guessing I think it was
3: bigger than people cause I 65% he, yeah I think it was around 60 something percent. he, he thrashed uh, mm. DD I, I'm going to say 67
0: I'll go lower then I'm going to say like 58
1: ah oh, Paul wins It it's 68 oh, so nice. ah yeah. uh, uh, and the last one, who was the first Tory leader to be chosen under a system that actually allowed MPs to vote and wasn't just the magic circle stitching up in smoke-filled rooms? Oh, a question. The first really Tory leader question. to oh, right. be so elected that's... by the party. Has
3: that been Heath or Thatcher? I wonder. Uh, I'm going to go for Heath, because I don't think Heath came out of the magic circle.
2: I'm getting, Well, OK, well, I'm going to go for Margaret Thatcher, but, but I, yeah. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> it was Ted Heath.
2: Oh, oh well done, for I can't believe it. i have actually, for once, right.
3: right won the quiz. quiz. You won the quiz.
0: Yeah, you, I heard. think I mean, <laughs> you and I, I need to go fix.
1: back to school, oh, no, <laughs> no. I, feel like I need
0: to go back and read that explainer. I'm going to be let out again.
1: Absolutely. Right. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for joining us, guests. Thank Thanks you. For joining us, thank listeners. Um, we're going to leave you with a speech uh, by Tory Brexiteer Mark Francois, which descended into a bit of a mess as his colleague Ed Vasey heckled him. Um, it was pretty late last night, and pretty much sums up the week, I think. 2019. Great. Very good. So, <laughs> thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> I'll do my best, Ed. Thanks, mate. You're doing well. Great. I'll carry on then. Yeah, this is so.